All right, here we are on another Friday. Hard to believe we are powering through the summer. We are in August, mid-August already. It's crazy. Um, super excited about our guest uh, today on FinTech Friday. We've got Andrea Thomas. Andrea is a product strategist. Uh, I'm going to let Andrea talk about her background, but she's somebody that uh, we've come to know really well at FinLocker, admire her work, her experience, and expertise, and Really excited to have a conversation today around the consumer and and all things digital. So welcome, Andrea. Thank you so much, Brian. I'm so glad to be part of this conversation. Yeah, and that's what it is. It's a conversation. It's just two people chilling and talking. So let's let's start the way I always start these shows, which probably is getting old. But um, so far, this is episode 17. The first 16 episodes, when I've asked this question, I, there's literally a different response to the same question. And the, and the question is, when you hear the term fintech, what does that mean to you? Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, and I'm actually pretty curious to hear what the, the breadth of answers is that you've, uh, you've heard before. Um, I think my, my top line answer might be similar to what others have shared, which is it's using technology um, to make financial services better for people, like just pretty straightforward. Um, but because I have a background in management consulting, I tend to present everything in sort of like three bullet points. And so for me, um, using technology to make financial services better probably falls into three categories. Um, expanding access to those who are being uh, left out or left behind. Um, getting a better deal uh, by saving uh, money or saving time. Time is money. So making the process more efficient. Um, and then helping people more easily achieve their goals. Uh, so somewhere between access if you didn't have it, like saving time or money and achieving your goals. But the other component I'll add to my definition of like what does fintech mean to you um, is that it's not universally positive to put technology more into financial services. And I think that's an important part of the conversation as well. It can do a lot of positive when used well, but there's always a flip side. And if we're not cognizant of that flip side and like working to mitigate it, um, then you're just leaving other people further behind. And that's something that um, I think should be part of the conversation. No, I, I love that. I want to come back to uh, your bullet points um, <laughs> in a moment, but look, just to kind of bring some context to your, to your experience and expertise in this space, let, just share with us a little bit about your background. What, what have you done and where have you done it? Yeah, I've, uh, I've done a lot all over the place. <laughs> I've sometimes just used the word oddball to describe my career trajectory um, because, you know, for many people, like a career can mean, you know, 15 or 20 years in the same industry or the same company even. Um, that has not been my experience. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a problem solver who likes to solve problems that help people. Um, and so I've done that, you know, initially with technology, I worked for a bunch of startups um, based in uh, in Charlottesville, Virginia, where I went to uh, to undergrad. Um, and then I uh, I took uh, I took my problem solving hat and tried to solve problems in another country. Uh, so I was a Peace Corps volunteer. Um, and then I went to to grad school um, and thought, well, let me expand how I can solve problems for people. And so I developed the skill set and I took that to consulting for 11 years, which is a crazy amount of time to work in management consulting. Um, but I did that first for companies, and then I put on that like mission-driven hat and said, well, how can I apply strategy and problem solving 
uh, in a more like directly mission oriented way. Um, and I went to a firm where one of the things I did was I co-led their global practice in financial inclusion. So expanding access to financial services for those who are very, like very much being left behind and thinking about what are those models um, that can really help to, to expand the pie. Um, and then I, I eventually found my way to, uh, to Capital One. Um, so taking that financial services lens and saying, well, how can I create more impact at scale? Um, and I first took over one product line and then ended up leading a product they have called CreditWise, um, which uh, has credit monitoring and, uh, and protection services and, and you know, seeking a broader financial health portfolio with a, a base of tens of millions of users. Um, and so strategy, product, helping users, those are all sort of components of what make up my background. Love it. Yeah. And again, you hit on, you hit on another area that I want to, I want to focus on for the next few minutes. So before we went live, I kind of talked to you about <clears throat> who our audience is here for FinTech Friday. We're, we think, because <laughs> people don't sign up per se and tell us who they are, but we think we're principally talking to professionals in the mortgage industry and maybe mortgage and real estate and some, some uh, adjacencies as well. Um, we, in, in, our, in, in the mortgage industry today, and I, I come from a background that's heavily uh, influenced by mortgage. Um, and so the, the industry that I've been part of for a long time before coming to Finlocker uh, there's the mortgage industry, and, and today especially, there's there is a heightened sense of focus and attention, and and I would say 95% of it is for the right reasons on helping uh, lift and improve consumers and and, and people that that have been um, systemically underserved and, and mm -hmm. ignored for for decades, if not longer, uh, and I say that. You know, 90% of it is, I believe, sincere uh, desire by people and companies to help. And there's always that fringe that, you know, are doing it for whatever reason they're doing it. But nonetheless, there is a lot of talk and a lot of focus, a lot of attention, a lot of ideas being shared around specifically how do we do this to enable uh, more people to come into the mortgage, uh, you know, industry or, or or into the home ownership uh, realm, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, I would just love to, to kind of get your thoughts on, for our audience, what are some things that they should be thinking about as it relates to technology and how, how they should think about technology, not as the answer or end all, but as a component of the solution? Oh, I have so many thoughts. Um, <laughs> so uh, let me, break down, um, I think, this question, because it's it, there's so much you could talk about. Um, I think one component I heard is, um, how can technology help those who are, see help people who are seeking a mortgage? Um, just generally, um, yeah. out the fact that some have been maybe uh, disproportionately left behind or underserved or cut out or, you know, redlined. <laughs> yeah. um, so there's uh, technology that can help just improve the process and make it easier, bring more people through. Then there's maybe an added lens, maybe yeah, I might even say like a more important lens, first and foremost, like addressing uh, like sy systemic inequalities um, in the mortgage acquisition process for a person. Um, 
And that's a very different question. Um, but I love that you asked it or implied it. <laughs> that's about we're too many words in your mouth. Um, <laughs> I think it's really um, important as well. And then I might add like a third thing that we could talk about related to this, because again, consultants, everything is in a group of three, um, which is uh, what are some ways in which people in the mortgage industry can um, hold themselves accountable to or ensure that they're doing things that are in buckets one and two. Yeah. Um, which I think uh, could just be another meaty topic of conversation. Right on. Um, I love it. For the, for the first one, I do think there's a tremendous amount of opportunity. Just generally, how can you make the process of getting a mortgage better? So I, my husband and I have been very fortunate. We've gone through this process a few times and we are by no means um, like the, like, I wouldn't have put us in the underserved category, but at one point we were a first time home buyer. Yeah. I would say at no point were we an educated home buyer. Um, like we needed a home at a particular point in time and we went out and we did like the minimum amount of work needed <laughs> to do it in a way that didn't feel like we were going to get ripped off. Um, yeah. And I think that's an important lens to consider is that ultimately people are really busy. Um, so there is a category of people who will like really invest tremendous amount of time in, in doing their due diligence, doing all their education, looking out for the best deal um, in all aspects of their life. And, you know, so that's a category of people who are seeking a mortgage. There's also a category of people who like need a home, but have other things on their mind. Like there is a segment of the population that is looking for a new home, right? As they're about to have child number one, two or three. And like <laughs> um, these, these are other things that take up mental, like take up mind share. Um, and so then how much can you allocate to like understanding the process? And so I realize I'm being a bit long winded, but I think an answer to the question of how can technology help is to reduce the mind share um, that is required for a consumer to get a mortgage um, and help them uh, avoid some common gotchas that trip people up. So there's something around that, especially that middle category of the first three that I cited, like helping users save time or save money in the process, where I think technology is really well suited to fill some gaps, um, and so we can just to, just to kind of yeah, just to just to poke on that one a little bit because this is where um, you know it, we at Finlocker talk a lot about uh, this particular area in in in, in relation to our, what we think our product can do um, traditionally, and it sounds like when you were a first-time homebuyer, this is probably the way it went. So I could tell you it was the way I it went for me. And by the way, when I bought my first home, I was in the mortgage industry. <laughs> Most first-time homebuyers find the home first, right? Mm -hmm. and, and and that creates a an emotional attachment now to the home, right? And then they seek financing to support the transaction. Yeah. Which inverts, creates creates stress on the process and potentially doesn't provide for the optimal financing solution because now you're solving for something, you're solving for something emotional you're already attached to and you may be willing to stretch the, the, the decision you make from a financial perspective to support that emotional attachment. Whereas we think of, uh, we think of the, the process ought to be inverted where you get financially prepared first which includes understanding exactly what you can afford, what the financing would look like, and then go find the, the, the home that fits your, uh, your means. Is, does that make sense? Uh, it does. Um, it, uh, so I'm going to agree with you and then disagree with you. 
So I'll agree with you by saying I, I see where it can cause stress, and I, I might even add uh, a component. So I do think the challenge of the emotional attachment to a particular home without like aligning it to, is this an affordable home is an interesting one. I think the other stress that it adds is one of time urgency, right? Like if you're bound to a particular home, then yeah. you've got to line up your financing like ASAP, right? right. Some markets, those houses are going in like a day or like negative time, basically like before they're listed. Um, so there, there's that tension on the process. The part where uh, I will gently disagree is to, is in the um, in the reality of trying to flip that mindset and have people think preparedness before putting before thinking emotional attachment. Um, I there are so many elements of human nature um, that are going to make that hard. Yeah. However. I do think there's maybe some opportunities if we're just going to brainstorm here. Yeah. If you want, if people naturally think of a home before they think, how can I pay for that home? Like you need to anchor to something. Maybe we can shift the process up a bit by having them anchor to an illustrative home, you know, have them find something and call it dream home versus the home that I'm going to buy next month. Right. Um, and then plan for that and do the mortgage calculator against that and maybe refine their view of what a dream house is at the like illustrative hypothetical fantasy stage rather than the home that's at like 3303 like smith lane <laughs> if i lose it i'm gonna cry <laughs> um and so that's like taking the existing mentality you're not trying to change like human behavior yeah but you're uh adapting to it well, i love that again my decades of being in the mortgage space kind of probably have me thinking about this differently, but I, I think of it in the context of originators and lenders who who tr traditionally are getting referrals from the real estate community, right? So this is, and so just sequentially, logically, that financing is going to happen after the after the property's been picked out or at least looked at. Um, and and part of my thought process here is yes, I, I do fundamentally believe it's the right approach for a consumer to start with finance and then find the home. But notwithstanding that, I think for lenders in particular, if they can start thinking about that way, which means they've got to think about how to get up the funnel and get in front of more consumers up the funnel than they traditionally do today at the point of sale. Mm -hmm. right? You've got to figure out how to become part of the point of thought and, and, and insert themselves there. And it, there, it, it's not a small ask. I mean, there's big companies that spend billions of dollars a year in marketing. We, we know at least one of them who's not too far from where I am in the Detroit area uh, that, that are clearly uh, trying to get to the point of thought. And, and I think just for the, you know, the IMBs, the independent mortgage bankers and others that are out there in that space, that's that's the challenge is how do you become relevant to more consumers earlier in their in their financial life? Yeah, I mean, but I think I mean, think about it this way. Um, most people um, do not want to spend their free time like deep diving into their finances and especially being confronted with the debt <laughs> that yeah. they have. Having and I say this is like literally having led a like a credit score monitoring product. Like sometimes you look at it and your credit score has gone down or it's not what you want and you're 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 you're, you're choosing to look at something that is demoralizing. Yeah. Um, and so you have to fight that emotion for people. Um, and to try to get them to put that ahead of like the emotional tie of the home. 
Yeah. Like maybe it'll work for some, but like, why, why push that boulder so far uphill? Why right. not think, why not attach yourself to where a user's mentality already is and bring that to you? So now what if a lender, I'm just, again, spitballing here. What if their website said, we will help you find your dream home. Here's six categories of ones in your neighborhood, right? Three bedroom ranch, condo unit with this many bedrooms. Tell us a little bit and we'll give you some options. Yeah. Again, that, that sort of that mentality. Um, and then you can say, and now here, we'll help you do all the financing for however many categories you want. Um, again, you're just, you're fighting less human, human behavior. Yeah, no, it, it totally makes sense. And, and I, I, uh, I'm, I love the, the, uh, the, the, the challenge on the, on the, on the thesis, because it's, we, what one may think in reality, you've, you've got to deploy it in, in, in mass to get, you know, to, to get scale and to, and to get eyeballs. And if, if you're not relevant at the time of consumers having the thought, then, then you are right. You're pushing the boulder uphill. Yeah. And, and as you know, uh, may know, we have done some recent, uh, like user research, um, with, uh, Finlocker, who I'm partnering with right now. Um, and um, there are users who are like very careful and cautious and planning oriented around their finances. And yes, you could potentially like have this conversation directly with them, but even for them, they, they have found their lender through their, their agent, right? right. Like, there's, there's, a, there's a natural sequence in a user's mind and it, it's a very hard thing to try to flip. And then for those who are not planners, like it's unquestionably like, let me go find my dream house first. And they're very, yeah. they're very forthright about it. Um, so, so yeah. So, so how can you take advantage of that and make it a, um, a feature instead of a bug? Right. So we just riffed a little bit on point number one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I think your second bullet point was around kind of savings, right? What's, what's in it for me, whether it's, economical or in, in the form of time, maybe let's dive a little bit into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how, how can you just get a better deal, right? Or yeah. how can you um, know if you were getting a good deal? So some of the user research that we did, there's so much anxiety that users have. They first cited um, like just the, the, the home buying economy today, how quickly homes are getting snapped up, what it means to, um, to be looking for a home and then feeling pressure to take a house as is, like all the things that are sort of very common, but especially for a first time home buyer, um, like, like how, how awful it must feel to be like preparing for this, like by far the biggest purchase you will be making in your life yeah. for the first time, not know the process, um, and then feel like you might get ripped off for hundreds of thousands of dollars that you cannot afford. Right. Um, and so there's so many ways to uh, any alleviation of stress in this in this um, process is a win. Um, yeah. One alleviation of stress uh, would be um, just letting people know very clearly, like what comprises the process, like what comprises the set of expenses. Um, and this is like the number of users that we, we spoke with who were like, I think there's something called mortgage insurance. I heard this other acronym. What is that? Through to those who were like, I'm planning for the expenses that might happen if my appliances break down in my first year. But they like there's this set of unknown knowledge about the total cost. Technology can help with that. You right. can literally calculate from somebody's uh, balance and the potential home they might have what that looks like. And uh, and that is useful. Um, through all the way through to like getting a better deal later, right? So the whole refinance um, opportunity. 
And this is something that I, I have some experience with the Capital One on the auto side. Um, but refinancing is fascinating because like you have two ways to, to really trigger a refinance in a user, right? Like one, they're that proactive planner. They're always scouring for the best deal and they will just, yeah. great, they're taken care of. Or what, you happen across an ad or an email that tells you about a rate and you're curious or has an offer, but that feels very passive. Like that might not be the best offer for that person. That might not be the right time for them. They might be too busy to even take advantage of what is a great offer. And so one thing technology can do is maybe better map the right offer at the right time for the user. Maybe the user sets a threshold, do not show me refi offers unless I can save you know, $200 a month. Right. That offer appears when you can, and they can take advantage of it. And that saves, um, that saves the, uh, the lender money, time, time and money. Um, and it, it's good for the user. So that's a win-win. So I, I don't know if you're aware, I'm sure you are, but Black Knight had a study, I think last year, that talked about uh, retention, right? Customer retention. And in the mortgage industry, uh, over a, 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 an extended period of time, customer retention was, was less than 20%. And, and so when I'm thinking about refinance, the logical place to start is with the person you got the mortgage from to begin with. Mm -hmm. But the, num the numbers say that eight plus times out of 10, the consumer goes somewhere else for a refinance. Well, let, let me let me probe on that. Why is it the logical place to go for a refinance? Well, good, good. I would say it's only logical in the sense that I've already, you know, showed you everything about me financially to get this mortgage. So you already know me, and at least you, you, you should know me better than somebody knew that I would be talking to. That would be my premise. Yep. Um, I think that's a great question to get some more user research on. And I haven't done that research, but some alternate hypotheses, given the numbers that you shared about how many you go elsewhere. Um, one, you feel like um, uh, you actually just don't know that you can refinance with the same lender. So just yep. ignorance. Um, Two, you feel like you're betraying them. Like you feel like, oh, you know, you gave me this deal and I'm going to have to sell you out. So sorry for you. I'll, I'll just, um, I won't tell you and I'll go talk to somebody down the street. Yeah. Um, or three, again, like you don't even think about refinancing at all. You're just responding passively to something that seemed like a good deal. And then it's a free for all. Like who's going to put yeah. more offers in front of that user? Yeah. No, I'll, I'll, and every, your answers are all of the above because we, you know, I, I've seen it over my career and I continue to kind of watch that space. And um, the average consumer doesn't, what, especially in the, in, if you think about the mortgage ecosystem starts typically with a, with a lender who then sells the, the mortgage servicing asset somewhere else. And so two, three years down the road, who, you know, Brian View was my, my guy that I got a mortgage from, but I've been paying my mortgage every month to XYZ servicer, that's my mortgage company. And, and so, um, oh, it is, yeah. it, like the mental disconnect, right? Yeah. It's been, it's fascinating to watch it. But, um, but then like to flip it again to like a solution. So if any or all of these hypotheses around like the user mentality are true, what does that original lender um, need to do to maintain the relationship through, you know, subsequent refis? Maybe if you know that, like, ultimately all the user wants is the best deal, right? Like, yeah. With the confidence that they're getting the best deal, then one of the things you can do is find ways to demonstrate that, right? right. Like, I have done the scan of, and maybe this is already happening, um, but as the previous owner of multiple houses, 
I have no memory of that actually happening <laughs> through any of the lenders that we worked with, is I have done the scan of other lenders. This is the average rate. Here's the min and max. You will always get the best rate from me. Yeah. Love it. And and to your point, that that is 100% solvable with technology. Mm-hmm. 100%. Exactly. Um, all right. Bullet point three. I don't even remember what it was. <laughs> uh, oh, to help you achieve your goals. There you go. So, yeah. like, there are fintechs that like help to automate savings for you. It's super hard to do. Like, uh, it's always easier to spend money somewhere else rather than sock it away for a rainy day. Yeah. Um, so relying on on technology to help you like demonstrate the willpower that you wish you had. <laughs> right. 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 There's so many tools to do that. Savings is just one. Um, and, you know, paired with like debt reduction or ways to improve your credit score. There, there are tools to do this seamlessly. Um, and it's an interesting question. Well, actually, savings for down payment would be like an easy tie in uh, yeah. to the mortgage industry. Right. Do you when you think of the, um, you know, the carrot and stick approach, like from a consumer perspective, what's more effective from 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 the technology? Is it banging someone over the head when they veer off the, the, the their savings plan or uh, is it, you know, th th what we hear, all the gamification and, and kind of digital rewards and things like that? What what resonates? What did you see as as helping kind of drive that 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 behavior? I'm going to turn this around, Brian. Uh, <laughs> what would you do? Um, let's say you were saving for a house like double your size because you wanted to bring all your family in and start like something big. Um, yeah. you know, big pool, something, yeah. um, and you're trying to save away money. Um, and you know, you went out to, you went to Vegas one weekend and you blew through your savings goal. What would you want that app to do for you? So I'm, I'm a super visual person and, and kind of have uh, a football background, not that I played it, but coached it a little bit. Um, so I would think of it if I'm, if I've created a goal to save for a new home for a down payment on a new home and it's double the size and it has the pool the three car garage, all the, all the stuff that I want. When I set my goal, I would want the visualization of the, the reward. The reward is this, this dream home. And so now I'm in Vegas and I've, I've set a goal and I'm using a piece of technology to track that goal, right? Mm -hmm. It's linked to my, say my account. And while I'm in Vegas, I'm hitting the ATM every 20 minutes and <laughs> 800 more, 800 more. And so when I go back into my, my app to see kind of how I'm doing, there's half a pool. Uh-oh. So my, you know, you could do that. I'm more of a carrot or a stick guy. Hit me mm -hmm. over the head and remind me that I'm, that I'm, I'm veering off. But that would be me. It'd be more of a visual uh, 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 representation of what, you know, your, the goal that you crystallize and, and envisioned is now getting blurry and you're about to lose it. Yep. That would be that would be impactful for me, I think. I think you, you said a, a few of the key things that I, I would use to, to sort of close out this response. One of them is, this would be me. That's exactly right. Like, everybody is different. And one of the yeah. things that technology can do is look at what you tell it and past behavior and say, what will work best for this person? In yeah. a way that, you know, like, a very good person could do. But everybody um, tends to like their own style. And then you will lose some people. So there's this aspect of tailor like being able to tailor the experience um based on technology um another is um like i really love what you said around like why oh, would re-anchor to the goal and so the frequency of reminders regardless of the form that they take like reminder when you're pulling 800 dollars out are you sure you want to lose that part of the house is it going to push yeah. your house goal out by three months 
um, those kind of triggers to like re-anchor on what you want. I think that is a common theme that would be true for, uh, that could be true for, for more people. Love it. Well, this has been a blast. We're almost at 30 minutes here. We've been uh, cranking away. So I want to leave a few minutes for um, my final question. And mm -hmm. this one is, you know, uh, to let people kind of know a little bit about you and, and not just your professional background, but, you know, what, what do you like to do out when you're not trying to solve the world's problems uh, from a product perspective? What, 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 uh, what's fun for you? Oh, there's a lot of fun things. Uh, we've been on a, uh, a tour of uh, Virginia state parks and actually recently into West Virginia recently. So I love the outdoors and one of the, I do like to look for silver linings when things are hard and God, what could have been harder than the last 17 months? But there's a silver lining in terms of like forcing you to make the most of, uh, of what's available around you. So exploring nearby states and nearby parks. I love to spend time with my kids and so we're taking big bike adventures. Um, and I will share a distinguishing feature, maybe distinguishing. Um, my favorite food group is French fries, really crispy French fries. So if we ever meet in person, whoever's out there watching this, um, French fries are the way to my heart. <laughs> So I didn't realize, now I know French fries is an actual food group. Yes, that's right. For, for, for me, it is. I, I'm defining my own. <laughs> so it has its, own, <laughs> has its own place on the pyramid. That's exactly right. <laughs> well, this has been a blast. I uh, enjoyed the conversation. I think uh, you said earlier that we could probably riff for another 30 to 40 minutes. I think we could probably pick apart a few of these topics and do this again. This was This was a riot. Thanks for joining. Thank you so much for the invitation. It was a real pleasure. Have a great and then, day. Oh, yeah. Uh, last, last, um, you, you, I, I have a feeling that there'll be some folks that, that listen and watch that are going to want to get to know you and, and see if there's ways that uh, you might be able to help them in their business. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Oh, great question. Uh, I like email. Everybody likes email. Uh, Firstname.lastname at gmail.com. Anybody, I, I welcome your communication. Awesome. Perfect. Andrea, thanks for joining. Thank you. Bye.